Hello, uh, welcome back to our series, Steadfast Love, The Strange Journeys of Hosea and Jonah. As we've been looking at the series uh, over the last few weeks, we've seen that God is calling the people of Israel back to follow him and that he has shown them his grace, his mercy and his steadfast love. But as we've gone into Jonah over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that that message of hope and of mercy and of steadfast love is not just for the people of Israel, but is now for the world. And it is starting in the Gentile city of Nineveh. And that both of these messages are proclaimed through the prophets Hosea and Jonah. And essentially the recurring theme that we see throughout both of these books is that God has a message of hope and of love and of mercy to bring to the world. And he does so through his people, that God partners with his people in order to see his kingdom come. And that's what I want us to, to look at today. It's just to know that God is calling you and I to be messengers of hope wherever we go. I've titled my sermon this week, The Journey of Going, because as we'll see today is that God is calling you and I to go into the world and bring a message of hope. And uh, what we'll do is I will essentially look at Jonah's journey and some lessons that we can learn from him as we go on mission for God. And the reason I want us to look at this is because when we look at the world today, we see that uh, the world is in a place that is in dire need of the gospel. It is in dire need of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, ultimately, like when we look at, at one another, that the world is becoming more and more polarised, that people are wanting to stick with people who are more like themselves and push themselves further from people who are different to them. But we know that the good news of Jesus Christ calls us to unity in our difference, that we're not supposed to just stick with people who are different, uh, who are like us, but go to people who are different to us. When we look at, uh, for example, I think within the UK, the refugee bill, which is essentially a bill that is looking to protect the assets of the wealthy and not provide a safe haven for those who are vulnerable, we know that the gospel is one that uh, would want to reach out to the refugee, that would want to say there is a safe place for you to come. There is a safe haven. There is hope and there is mercy for you here. You know, if we look at mental health issues uh, that, that are on the rise, we know that the gospel speaks into peace and hope and joy and love. We see that the gospel has uh, the effect to be able to bring hope to people on a day-to-day -day basis. But this message of hope for us as Christians, uh, we know that it's not just for, uh, for the day-to-day -day or just for now, but we know that we live for a future hope where Jesus is going to come back again and he is going to renew all things. And we want as many people to put their trust in him, to find mercy in God. So we know that the gospel that we have to bring to the world is twofold. It's one for now, but also for the future. And so I want us to bear that in mind as we uh, look at the passage today to understand that God is calling you and I to be people who go and what we can learn on this journey of going. So let's turn to Jonah chapter three and we'll then look at it and then uh, I'll make some points from there. So Jonah chapter three, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah 
the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. But that by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. This is the word of God. So essentially what we've seen here is that uh, Jonah has just been vomited out onto dry land. And what we saw with Hillary and Joe's messages is that Jonah, uh, he had a call from God to go to Nineveh and declare, uh, to, to say to them, turn from the way that you're living and turn to God. But Jonah said no, and he ran away uh, from God. And he uh, was then thrown into the sea and swallowed by the fish, that really famous story. And then we saw last week that Joe helpfully uh, shows Jonah crying out to God in the midst of his despair and God comes and rescues him. And uh, Joe uh, kind of beautifully sums it up by Jonah gets to this point where he says, God, I know that you can save me, but even if you don't, I know that my salvation is found in you. Because Jonah knows uh, that that's really what matters that God will meet him in his moments of despair and will rescue him. And when, when God and, and Jonah almost have this kind of uh, interaction with each other that Jonah's heart is made right, God vomits him out onto dry land and we get to this point. But essentially what we see is that Jonah experiences God's salvation for himself in the belly of the fish, but then God propels him to take that message of salvation to the people of Nineveh. Essentially understanding that the issue of uh, salvation is not just to keep to ourselves, but it's something that we, it's a gift to be able to give to those around us. And so Jonah gets the second chance to be able to, to bring uh, this message to the people of Nineveh and to be obedient to God. You know, that is something we see a lot in the Bible, is that God is a God of second chances. You know, we think of Samson, David, Peter, all guys who, who messed up really, but then once they repent and say, God, I'm sorry, please, can I come back to you? God gives them a second chance to be obedient to him. And that's what we see here. Uh, that, that's what happens to Jonah. And I just want to say to you that as you uh, cry out to God, maybe wherever you are, uh, to just remind you of what Joe's passage said, 
so you can that you can find hope in Jesus that he is with you but as you experience that for yourself you also have the ability to share that hope with others and also if you maybe feel like Jonah that you've turned your back on God you can come back to him the father's arms are open wide he's rich in his mercy there is a second chance for you So Jonah goes into the city of Nineveh and he declares this message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Essentially, we can learn two things about Nineveh, about the type of city that Nineveh is and the state that it's in. The first thing that we see is that Nineveh is described as a great city. And the word great is used in two ways here. The first way is that It's great in that it's a large city. It's even described as being a three-day journey uh, to be able to walk across it. So we see that for for a city of the time is a vast city. But the Hebrew word here is also used as uh, basically uh, to show that Nineveh is a great city to God, that God cares about Nineveh that God cares about the condition of Nineveh. That's why he is sending Jonah. That's why he wants his message of the people to turn back to him to go there. God cares about them. And I want to say God cares about London and the places that we live in. He cares. So we see that God cares about Nineveh. It's a great city. But then we also see uh, the, the state at which Nineveh is in. The fact that uh, the way that Jonah calls out uses the phrase 40 days. And so when the Jewish readers were hearing this about Nineveh, they would have thought, man, this city is, is really in a bad place. Because when they heard 40 days, they would have, rem- would have remembered the judgment that God brought on, on Noah and the flood uh, and the world uh, to know that the world wasn't in a great place, that it was so bad that God felt that he had to bring the flood, bring that judgment as well as uh, Moses who is at, uh, on Mount Sinai and interceding on behalf of the Israelites when they built the golden calf for 40 days. Essentially, the, the, uh, the Jewish people hearing this, when they hear those things about uh, their own history, they're being applied to Nineveh, knowing that Nineveh is a city that's completely turned its back on God. And just a quick note on why God needs to bring his judgment. I want us to go back to Andrew's first preach uh, when we started the series, week one, when he spoke about the loving thing for God to do is to address sin in our lives. And he used the analogy of if we were to have a cancer in our body and were to go for an MRI and the doctor found it, the loving thing for the doctor would do or for for the doctor to do would be to remove it not allow us to keep living with it and say to him, no, that's fine. And essentially that is why God wants to show uh, the people of Nineveh, no, my judgment is coming so so that you can be washed clean, so that you can turn towards me, not away from me. So God has this message to go to Nineveh that it's in a bad place. And then Jonah proclaims it to them. And then we see the people's response. It says that they, uh, that they start a fast and they put on sackcloth and that they uh, cry out mightily to God. And what fasting was then was this uh, way of showing internal remorse, that they understand internally that their souls are not right and that they need to turn to God. And so they fast. A sackcloth was a garment worn during mourning. So basically they're showing, uh, God, we're mourning the people that we used to be. Please bring mercy on us. And then we see God respond. 
that essentially God says, you know, in those last few verses, that he relented from the disaster and he, that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. God responded with mercy when the people turned towards him. You know, if we um, stopped reading the story of Jonah chapter 3, we would think that, man, Jonah's done really well. He's a great hero. But as we go on to chapter 4, uh, we will see that Jonah has kind of basically come back to where his, uh, his heart attitude was right at the beginning. The fact that he isn't happy that God had saved Nineveh and that uh, basically he thought that Nineveh was too far off for God to save. And what I want us to look at now is some stuff that we can learn from Jonah that we can avoid, that we can learn from Jonah's mistakes really to be able to trust God when we go on mission. And so there's just the first thing that I want to pick out for us is the idea of us going wide. And what do I mean by that? So as I said, that Jonah, when he uh, was called to Nineveh, he didn't want to go. He really thought, man, Nineveh is too far off. The people are not like me. You know, in chapter one, Hillary showed us that when the sailors ask, who are you? Uh, basically, Jonah relies on his heritage in order to show that he is in somewhat good standing, that, that he should be respected for that or that people should know him. That's the first thing he mentions. So we can see that in Jonah's thinking, he is someone who thinks, man, those Gentiles, do they deserve God? Do they deserve God's grace? And we see his response really in chapter four. But essentially what, what we can learn is that you and I are called to go to people who are not like us. Hillary touched on this in, week, uh, in kind of the first week of looking at Jonah. God is calling you and I to go to people who are not like us. You know, in Acts 1, the, the commission that Jesus gives the disciples to go into Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria is the same commission that you and I have. Because when the Jewish readers were hearing that, Jerusalem were the people closest to them who were just like them. God is saying, yes, go to those people. You have a message of hope to bring to them. But then Jesus says, go to Judea, the people who are quite similar to them, who they resonate with, who have similar thinking patterns. But then Jesus says, you also need to go to Samaria. And you know, uh, for the Jewish readers, some, uh, the people of Samaria were, were their enemies. It was people that they didn't want to talk to. You know, we see how the disciples react when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. They're like, Jesus, why are we talking to her? But Jesus shows us we're to go to people who are not like us. And I want to particularly touch on the issue of going to other nations because the gospel is needed, not just in the UK, but God is calling us beyond the UK to leave the comfort of the UK and to take the gospel wherever we go. But I just want to quickly touch uh, just on some thinking around the idea of going to other nations. Uh, one of the areas I think New Frontiers particularly is strong at is the way in which we send people. When we go to other nations to, to, uh, to plant churches or to bring the gospel to them, we do so with humility. We do so not thinking we have all of the answers and we don't kind of go as saviors to those places. We go with a sense of humility, willing to learn, willing to serve. And this is how Jesus did all of this. 
And I just want to share um, a, a couple of stories of some friends that I have who have counted up the cost to go to other nations. And essentially, as I share these stories, I want you to consider, could God be calling you? You know, God is at work across the world, in particularly the Middle East, in Asia, in Africa. God is revealing himself. Uh, there is an anointing on those countries at the moment where God is powerfully at work by his spirit. You know, a story of some of my friends who have church planted there. They came into contact with a lady who she said night after night, she was having this dream about this man in, in white robes coming to, to visit her. It's a, it was a Muslim woman and, and she was a bit perplexed by it. And she bumped into our friends uh, who, who they, she'd known through some other connections. And she said, oh, I've been having these dreams. And they asked, oh, what, what does this man look like? And she described, I could only see white, but he had these holes in his hands. Essentially, she, she was describing Jesus, that Jesus is coming to reveal himself. And my friends were able to talk to her about Jesus. And, she, uh, and then she was able to, to look at what is it like to follow Jesus? What does it mean, the cost of following Jesus? And then she was eventually baptised. And uh, while she was being baptised, uh, her family disowned her. This lady and my friends have figured out the cost of following Jesus. But to see God at work was far more incredible. I also want to just talk about some of my friends, the type of people that God has called. That sometimes maybe we think that God is calling maybe people who are only in their 20s and 30s, but that's not the case. So I do have a couple of friends who are in their mid-20s uh, who have only been married for a year or so, and they have listened to God's call to go wide and have gone to a country in uh, Northeast Africa. And they've given up the comfort of living in the UK uh, where uh, housing is quite straightforward, running water is quite straightforward, but they live in a remote village. And uh, the other day, they, they have a little Facebook group where they posted, and they said today they were grateful for rain because it meant that they were able to get water um, for them to be able to, uh, to drink and to filter, and that just helped the running of their lives. They've left the comfort of the UK for the sake of the gospel. I don't know about you, but when it rains in the UK, I'm generally thinking, oh, it's raining again. You know, I don't, I don't, I kind of take for granted the natural resources that we might have here. But this couple has understood what it means to be called to go wide and have counted the cost to go. Um, another friend, a few friends that we have are in their mid thirties and they've got a young child that God has called them to go and they've gone to the Middle East to plant a church. And the team that's gone with them is an older family who have got four kids and they've got a really diverse team. And essentially the reason I share these stories is because I hope that it encourages you to know that God is calling people to go wide and that call could be for you. And I want you to consider particularly, what does it mean for you to go wide? You know, Jesus is our greatest example of what it means to leave comfort and to come to people who are not like him. Philippians uh, 2 talks about Jesus leaving his heavenly throne, coming as a humble slave to be with us. Jesus leaves comfort in order for the gospel to be spread. He, Jesus is our greatest example. And every time I preach, I always say that that is one thing I love about Jesus, that he is our greatest example. And so I'm just going to put a question on the screen that I want you to reflect on right now. What does it mean 
for you to go wide. Maybe even pause the video and have a think. What does it mean for you to go wide? I know I'm asking this question of myself, that I don't want to live a life that is just surrounded by comfort of, of what people tell me is right, but I want to be obedient to Jesus' call to go to my closest friends, but to also go to places that are unexpected. Uh, you know, people that would write off that, why would God work there? But God loves those places, just as we see that he loves Nineveh. You know, there is no place that is too far off from God. Which then leads me on to the second bit that I want to talk about is that we need to go faith-filled. What I love about this passage is that we see that God works. You know, we see that, that basically when we're obedient to God, God comes and he works. And for Jonah, it's not necessarily about the message that he preaches, but it's the God that he follows. In his obedience, God uses a few words, you know, only eight words, really. Uh, you know, I don't want to read too much into that, but, but basically he has a short message and people come and turn their hearts to God because God is in control and God is revealing himself to people. I do just want to be clear, though, that the message that you and I have to bring is different to Jonah's. Uh, we don't have a message of destruction to bring to people, but we have a message of love and of peace and of hope and of mercy in God. That that is the good news of the gospel that we can share with people. And I really hope that when you read this, that this passage encourages you and gives you courage to go wide. Because when we see that God works, we realise that the pressure is no longer on us. You know, the pressure is not, is not for us to make people come to Jesus. All we have to do is say yes to Jesus and we know he will work. I, I want to maybe ask, like, where are you at the moment in, in just expecting God to work? Uh, we don't have to have a lot of faith for, to be able to see God work. You know, Jesus says we have to have faith as small as a mustard seed. But are you expecting that God will work? But I want to encourage you, expect God to work in the places that you go. That as you share the good news of Jesus, that he will reveal himself. I do just want to say, just as you go on this journey of going to people, to, to also be patient. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible and hear of these people talking about uh, them sharing the good news of Jesus, uh, we think that it happens in a flash. Yes, sometimes it does. Sometimes God does do that. But often it is the kind of day in and day out of sharing the good news of Jesus verbally, but also living it out so that people hear and experience the gospel in their lives. And then we know that as we're obedient to God in those moments throughout our daily lives, God will work and we should go full of faith. And I think ultimately here, why we can go full of faith is, you know, the, the question that, that the king asks here is, he says, oh, who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger. We can go faithful because we know that there is a definite answer to this question. 
you know, that we know because of the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can go into places and proclaim the good news of Jesus because we know when people repent, God will save them. We don't ask it in, in a moment of doubt or, or who knows. We know for sure that Jesus has saved, that his death and his resurrection on the cross is good and it, is, and it has uh, dealt with death once and for all and that Jesus' arms are open wide to welcome people. So I want us to, just to sum up really, is to know that Jesus is calling us to go wide, but we go faith-filled as we go to places. Uh, the Really, the thing I want you to take away from today is, is to know that God is at work in your life, that if you feel uh, compelled to go to places, be obedient to God, but know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. And to experience the, uh, and the hope that you experience, that is the message that you have to bring. I also feel uh, prompted to let you know, to trust God, to also give you the right words, the right uh, moments to share the gospel. I know something that I'm asking myself uh, on a daily basis, every morning I get up, I say, God, would you please give me an opportunity to show or share the gospel with someone? And uh, more often than not, there are, there are moments where God uh, gives me a moment and then I get, to, I get to be a bit like Jonah and say, oh, will I, will I step into that? But I know that God has grace for me and that there's no pressure on me. So just to recap, let's go to people who are not like us. And let's go full of faith that God is at work. We're now going to respond. Uh, we're going to go with uh, the song, Build My Life. And let's just sing this as a declaration to say, God, my life is one that is following after you. And to then trust that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to bring his kingdom wherever you are.